Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Five Tool Podcast. As always, I'm George Klein, and this week I talked with Arthur Jelen about all of the NFL stuff that's been going on. We've got a few favorites that are struggling, like the Rams and obviously the Patriots. That's what everyone's talking about, and got into all of that, got into some of the teams that are on the cusp of the playoff picture and all that exciting stuff going on. So I will note that we recorded this week before the Josh Gordon news broke. So I will just say off the bat that obviously um, addiction is addiction and hopefully he gets well. Um, That's clearly the most important thing and he's able to kind of handle um, and get done what he needs to get done. But for the Patriots, it's another just big blow to this season that hasn't gone in the way that most of us would have expected. And all of a sudden that wide receiving course looking pretty shallow and it's going to be tough. It's going to be a big challenge for Tom Brady with a reduced Gronkowski. And then he's got Edelman and Dorsett and just how he's going to make it all work. So you're just starting to get the feeling more and more that this could be an early exit type of year for the Patriots, the likes of which we we haven't seen for a while now. So, And also just want to note too that there's some MLB trades and signings that are starting to leak out and have started uh, over this offseason. And eventually once Harper and Machado sign, We'll be doing a big kind of episode to just cover all that's happened in the MLB this offseason. And once those two sort of big dominoes fall, it's looking like it'll be after New Year's, then we'll get into that. So hope you enjoy the show and thanks. All right. So we are in the middle of December now. NFL season continues to head towards its conclusion. I'm here with Arthur Jelen, and we're going to be getting into all of the weird, wacky stuff that's gone on in the past week. Starting off, I think, mostly with the New England Patriots, which is what everyone's talking about. I mean, I was talking with Zahin last week about how this is a game on the road against the Steelers. You expect them, after that weird loss to the Dolphins, to fully come out, destroy the Steelers, win by 20 points, and that just clearly did not happen. They lose 17-10, to look befuddled on offense for most of the game outside of that one play where there was a breakdown. So you're a Patriots fan. I'll just let you get everything started with with your thoughts. How are you feeling about this? Team? It, it definitely was a weird game, and and compounded with the Miami game, which is two really really weird games back to back, especially offensively, because obviously the offense was not the problem against the Dolphins. They popped off for 33 points and did everything they needed to to win the game. It was the defense that failed them, and although. I certainly was not happy with the defense in the Steelers game, especially the run defense, uh, which is seriously porous uh, through just over the course of the season, but especially these past couple of games, um, just not being able to stop the run in crucial situations. Uh, but the offense, it was it was just it was weird to watch because it, it seemed they were doing a lot of the stuff that they usually do, just wasn't working. And and you mentioned the first play of the game, the sixty-three yarder to Hogan, like the classic fake zone, fake reverse, play action, get a guy on a deep cross wide open. That's a bread and butter play in the McDaniels offense. But um, after that, it was weird. But I think more than just like offensive game plan or whatever you want to say, play calling, that was off. It, it was the penalties. I mean, 14 penalties overall, eight pre-snap penalties. That's something you see out of a Steelers team or a Bengals team or one of these like notoriously undisciplined teams. But the Patriots, the least penalized team in the league by far, to basically throw the game away solely on penalties and false starts and tacky holding calls uh, is something that we've really never seen before. Um, 
and now you know they've gotten themselves in position with these last two losses where they're sitting at nine and five in serious serious danger of not having a first round bye for the first time in uh, I, I believe nine years since 2009 and they really have no one to blame but themselves but uh, we'll get into this a little bit later uh, they have their two division games left bills and jets uh, at home obviously very winnable games uh, to finish 11 and five and although that's uh, not a final record that anyone believed them uh, to have or what they strive to uh, finish with at the beginning of the season. The teams ahead of them and the teams that uh, are sitting with first-round buys right now, namely Houston, have tough games down the stretch. Uh, and I do believe that Houston might fumble away one of them, especially this game against Philadelphia this coming weekend, and, and sort of gift the Patriots the first-round buy that I think they really need in order to be successful in postseason. And I've been in New England the whole time over this over these past two weeks, and there's been a, plenty of hot takes kind of flowing around about Tom and all of that stuff and about how he's might be done or whatever. And I mean I've I've honestly heard that year after year and like I like I keep reiterating, I won't believe it until it actually happens. I think it's clear that he's not exactly at the peak of his uh, powers, but He's not exactly awful out there. I think the guy that really um, some of this might stem from, especially I would say like last week, is Gronk. And I mean, he's just been banged up over the years. It's a it's a physical style that he plays. He gets beat up by the defense play after play, and he just doesn't look quite like the same guy this year. Um, just looks slower. And I mean, he's huge and he's strong as heck so he can get to a spot and he can still, you know, really, really contribute. But he doesn't have that same, I don't know, breakaway speed where he can, where he's just a titan who can just like outrun everyone. Um, that just doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't look like he has his legs quite under him. I mean, especially when they had him in, and you weren't on last week, but when they had him in at safety for some reason when the ball was 70 yards away and I mean, just when he was trying to tackle Drake, again, just doesn't quite have his legs under him. He's always kind of tripping and staggering around out there. We had heard the rumors that New England tried to trade him before the season starts. And again, I think that, that that's one of those things where the Patriots are always one year out ahead of these sorts of things. And it does look like there's been a decline. And when you're looking at the offense, I mean, when you're thinking about the Patriots in the red zone, that's been such a feature for them over the years. And now all of a sudden they don't have that to the same degree because when he is double teamed or something that totally rules, rules him out. And I don't know. It's just for Josh Gordon to only have two targets, that's a little weird. I, something's just a little bit off. I mean, I still have confidence that they'll be able to fix things enough. You're right, too. We can talk about Houston. Yes, they're 10-4. and four. It's I still don't believe in them, <laughs> as annoying as that might sound. I just I don't think that they're particularly good. It just mastered kind of winning these close games. I mean, I'm a Jets fan, as you all know. I saw them play them last week. There was never a second when I felt like the Jets were outclassed in that game. That was a game that if the Jets didn't have Todd Bowles as a head coach and were maybe actively trying to lose, that they probably win. So I don't know. It's just, yes, the Patriots aren't great right now, but I still see them going 11-5, and maybe snagging a two seed. I think they're heading to the AFC Championship game it's just a question of will they be able to get back to the Super Bowl like we're all accustomed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I'd like to sort of touch on that Gronk subject a little bit more. Um, 
it, it is just it sucks to see and people are like oh man garage been around forever but i think he's still i don't even think he's 30 yet i think he's still 29 it's just crazy to think how long it, this guy's been around and how productive he's been and how dominant he's been uh but i agree he does as sad as it is to say he does look like a shell of himself anytime you know he catches the ball nine yards downfield uh, it is one yard away from the first down. Instead of falling forward, he's mostly falling sideways because he has to brace so much for these hits coming in low around his knees or ankles because he's taken, uh, I can just think off the top of my head, five or six hits to his knees or ankles that have resulted in severe injuries that have required surgery, uh, and not to mention his back or the massive leg brace that he has to wear on his forearm that covered his whole arm because he shattered it so many times. Um I mean, the guys give it all he can uh, to the team and to the game. Uh, and, you know, it's, this is what happens when, when you play in the NFL for nine or ten years and play such a physical position and play it the way he does where it's almost like he seeks out contact and is always drawing two or three guys on every single play. And we got to see a, a bit of a glimpse on that possession where Brady threw the sort of inexplicable red zone interception. Uh Gronk did get them down to the four-yard line by catching a slant three yards past line scrimmage and dragging a corner and a safety eight more yards for the first down. So it's still there. It's just not there on every play, and you can't really blame him because he's had to deal with so much. Um, and, and you mentioned uh, the Josh Gordon thing, too. I just remember the one drop he had on third down that was really bad, hit him right in the elbow, uh, and they just sort of seemed to neglect him the rest of the game. Uh, but I don't think it's the play call or anything that is the main culprit for that loss, it, it was the penalties. I mean, especially the running game when they were trying to establish the run with Sony Michelle, he had at least two 20-yard runs that got called back for, for holding penalties. It, it's just inexcusable. Um, but even if they end up with a three-seed, yeah, I totally expect them to be playing in Kansas City or who knows, something could happen with Kansas City and they could end up with uh, you know, a home game in – in, in Foxborough in the AFC Championship game if they're able to snag the two seeds. So as a Patriots fan, worried about some of these uncharacteristic things that have happened, but overall and, and big picture, I'll write them off when the clock hits triple zeros and they've lost yeah. in the playoffs. So. Yeah, if there's one thing that I've learned through watching this sport over the years, it's you never count them out until the very end, until it's actually over. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, and I will say that all of this late late season drama is new in the Brady Belichick era, but I like to think that they're just kind of spicing up the things. <laughs> now you had mentioned the Chiefs and really interesting Thursday night game last week with the Chargers. And honestly, it's something that I have always wondered, but I never really brought it up just because I was afraid that maybe it would sound stupid. But it does make a lot of sense when you're down by seven, you score a touchdown to go for two because you have an opportunity to win the game just right in your hands. It's just like a couple of yards away. Instead of, you know, heading off to overtime, maybe like they win the toss, you have to kick the ball off to them and you never get it back. It did make a lot of sense. And I've just been so impressed by the Chargers. That was a game, that was the moment when I fully felt like, okay, this was like this. This group is for real. Like you're talking about no Melvin Gordon. They're down to the Chiefs. It will come back. Phillip Rivers has looked awesome this year. Really nice to see that because I've always been a big fan of his. Um, he's just been a trooper for so long with this group. It's exactly what I had said at the start of the year, just in that they're a very, they have a lot of depth 
They're good at a lot of areas. Mike Williams was the guy with the breakout game last week. So if they can keep that moving forward, I don't know. It's just they're for real. I don't know what else to say at this point, but I think that they're right there with the Chiefs, which you wouldn't have expected even maybe four four weeks ago. But they've just gotten kind of better and better and more solid as the year has gone up. It's funny. Watch that game 28-14 with like five minutes left. I had total confidence the Chiefs were going to blow that game. I just, I was like, there's no way they just finish this game off. <laughs> like just solidly hold the Chargers 14 points, get out here cleanly with a two-possession win. But I, I'd also just kind of like to touch on the um, the pe- the penalties and, and non-calls just down the stretch on the Chargers last drive. The two just insanely like blatant targeting calls, one on uh, Travis Benjamin on the crazy throw Philip Rivers made, just dropping it into triple coverage down the middle of the field. I think that was the fourth down play. And then later when Philip Rivers in the red zone was, was scrambling for like a six-yard gain, just got drilled in the side of the head. Two just huge non-calls on the thing that the NFL preaches they're watching for so intently and closely and, and just don't even call it. But then the way refereeing works in the NFL these days, they get makeup calls with a uh, holding in the end zone on the very next play to put it at the one. And then a couple non calls on two OPIs uh, on the final, on the touchdown and the two point conversion. Um, it, it's just, yeah, I mean, we can, we had great about NFL. Officiating, <laughs> I, just thought, I just thought those, if, if you want to make like a YouTube video of, of like NFL officiating these days, that is a, uh, that's like a very prime example of it. Uh, but yeah, going back again, uh, I'll always give you kudos for your Chargers prediction. I, I, I would have liked to see for the season. I didn't totally believe it. Uh, but I mean, 11 and four tied, uh, they don't have the tiebreakers, but basically tied for the division lead, uh, very, very outside chance at maybe snagging the number one seed. Uh, if they could win out in the, um, on the Chiefs don't, that would be totally insane. But even more so, I think it's great that, you know, they're going to be probably like a 13 and 3, 12 and 4, 5 seed and probably playing Pittsburgh, maybe Baltimore, uh, on the road in that first, uh, wild card game and probably knocking them out and, um, having a chance to advance the playoffs, which is all you can ask for if you're Philip Rivers and the Chargers fans uh, in their little 30,000-seat soccer stadium. Um, so I, I just – yeah, I think it's a great story. That was obviously a great game. As much as I hate another great with the NFL, as much as I hate meaningful games on Thursday nights because they never go as they should, just thinking just off the top of my head of that Cowboys-Saints game. But, I mean, that was a, that was a good game. It was all you could ask for. Uh, and, and for the Chargers, it's – it's just good to see them progressing and, and working through some of those injuries and things that might have knocked down a lesser team. I think one of the things, too, honestly, is if you're looking at them as a 5 seed, let's say that they end up there, just if the Chiefs are able to kind of take care of what they need to down the stretch, the Chargers have pretty much been on the road for 85% of their games. Because even when they're home, they get infiltrated by other teams' fan bases. I, I'm... I'm thinking of, I mean, there's so many cases of it, but anytime it's a Denver type thing or the Eagles are there or just anything really, like their stadium just gets taken over over the past couple of years we've seen it. So I think, I mean, if there's a team that's equipped to go on the road and win a playoff game, I think it's them just because they've had that pressure on them all year long and they've been able to respond in a really impressive manner. 
Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I'm thinking of it from the angle of a Patriots fan uh, off the top of my head saying even uh, kind of assuming worst-case scenario that the Patriots get three-seed and are playing Wild Card Weekend. They play, I don't know, Baltimore or the Colts, whoever's a six-seed uh, at home, ideally win that game. Pittsburgh, Los Angeles have kind of a shootout. I, I would think the Chargers would probably knock off the Steelers just because the Steelers suck. Um, for a number of reasons, and Mike Tomlin would probably lose that game. You're looking at Patriots played on the road, Houston, and then you get Chargers Chiefs in a big showdown in the divisional. Chargers might win that game in the playoffs because of Andy Reid playoff coaching, and I would feel very confident that the Patriots would beat Houston on the road because, as you already mentioned, who believes that Houston can win a playoff game or continue to win these kind of close games? Um, then you get the Patriots with a home game in the, the AFC yeah. Championship against the Chargers team. Uh, and I think that would be a really, really, really fun game to watch because I'm not really sure what would happen in that one. Uh, but that would also kind of clear the path for the Chargers to even end up in the Super Bowl which as, as a five seed, which would be totally crazy. But uh, I guess that is that is kind of what Roger Goodell and the NFL want. You never really know what's going to happen on any given Sunday. And honestly, I see proof of that, especially over the past couple of weeks. And I was talking to you about this before we started recording, just the Saints and the Rams. And let's let's talk about the Rams first, because I think they're with this. But they just haven't been very impressive lately to me. I mean, the Saints have struggled on offense for a while now, and no one's really talking about it. But what happened to Jared Goff exactly? He's retreated all the way back to his rookie yourself. He looks tentative and jumpy out there. He had that really wacky play last week where – he was pretty much like sacked or like he was rolled up and he's going down. He decides to just kind of flip the ball up. It's, it's almost indescribable, but it's one of the worst plays I've ever seen. And I had Mark Sanchez as my team's quarterback for a couple of years when I watched all of those mm-hmm. games. But here's a guy who was an MVP candidate for most of the season. And now, I mean, he's taken himself completely out of it. And you have to be a little bit concerned, about, I think. And honestly, some analysts were talking about this and I can honestly believe it is that the loss of Cup has affected them more than anyone expected because just that that offense was so dynamic on the strength of its multifold, I don't know, attack. And yes, Cooks and Woods have been great. Todd Gurley's Todd Gurley. But now, I don't know, they're just that much more limited. And I still think Jared Goff is a guy who needs a lot of talent around him. And we've seen the effects of what happens. And I mean, going up against Chicago, if they face the Bears in the playoffs, I mean, you can't feel good about that judging off of what what happened and what Chicago fears. Is. Honestly, I'm getting more and more high on Chicago as the year goes on. They've just stepped up in a way that these other teams haven't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that Chicago game was totally a mess. And obviously, Mitch Trubisky kind of did everything in his power to lose that game <laughs> for the Bears. Uh, but there's no doubt that defense is for real. Uh, and I think they're very comparable to Jacksonville last year, just based on uh, the level of their defense uh, and the improvement that their defense has made uh, and sort of the offseason addition of Khalil Mack uh, is similar to some of the additions that the Jaguars made, I guess, two off-seasons ago. Um, but I think the big difference is their offense is a little bit more dynamic than Jacksonville's is, which sets them up well for the playoffs because if they get a lead, they won't feel the need to be so conservative. I think Matt Nagy can come up with a pretty effective game plan uh, to maintain a lead uh, or even come back uh, a touchdown or a 10-point deficit if necessary. 
Um, but but circling back to the Rams, I mean, Jerry Goff just isn't like that good. <laughs> it's, it's really just that it's that plain and simple. I mean, he has an insane amount of weapons around him, and you get Sean McVay drawing up a new game plan every week. Um, but it's almost reverse of what most teams usually do, which is like kind of like we'll let you run on us, but we won't let you pass. Like they are like all in on the run. Like even with all these dynamic receivers and dynamic weapons to the air and as good as Jerry Goff's like this season, people are willing to put seven guys in the box and man up on the outside and saying, all right, do your little cutesy play action stuff. We're just gonna we're just gonna stop Todd Gurley and and make you beat us to the air, which has worked. Um, and and granted, it's against two pretty high level defenses uh, in Chicago and Philadelphia the last uh, couple weeks. But I think after Chicago, people were like, oh, it's the cold weather, or whatever, uh, kind of freezing the West Coast boys. But for Philadelphia to come in there and a play uh, in a uh, prime time game. Uh, with playoff implications, especially for Philadelphia, they were very hyped up. But for the Rams, still very much in line for the number one seed uh, to come in on the road and just smack uh, Rams around and force Jerry Goff into these pretty like uncharacteristic mistakes. I think it showed some pretty glaring weaknesses in the fact that uh, Jared Goff, uh, obviously only uh, in his third year, but still showing signs of being a young quarterback. And you were talking about the Eagles. I mean, Nick Foles. He's like, who knows, man? Like, like uh, uh, just I, I, I just can't get out of my head how bad he looked against like the Falcons week one, and they still sort of squeeze that game out. And then until Carson Wentz came back, I mean, he, he put them in a hole early in the season because he was so bad. But uh, back against the wall, Nick Foles does something. I mean, I would give credit to him, but I just I I just can't because it's so ridiculous. Yeah, I I really do think that some teams in the off season is about to throw some ridiculous money at him, and it's going to backfire. But oh, yeah. you gotta admit, I like, mean, it's it's totally yeah, it's totally Doug Peterson's ability to just like hype him up or something, and then it's like spoon feed him a game <laughs> that he uh, he can get it done. But, yeah. Yeah, late in the season. I don't know. There's nothing quite like some Foles magic. It's it's one of the more inexplicable things that's happened in the NFL the past two years. But I mean, he is a Super Bowl winning quarterback, and Super I guess MVP. I will admit though that I am a little bit concerned about Wentz. Just I'm not like off the bandwagon at all. I'm still a believer, but this is two years now that he's been hurt uh, coming down the stretch. And this year, he never looked quite 100. percent Like he was fine. He was good, but. He wasn't the cross months of last year. You just hope that he can stay healthy. Again, the Philly doctors, you never quite know what's up. And this mysterious kind of back injury, I don't know. It just it makes me feel uncomfortable. Anytime it's it's the back and it's a wacky injury that I think quote like progressed over time, end quote, I think that's what they said. That just it sounds a little bit ominous. Just like, oh, uh, we don't really know what's happening in there. He's he's a little screwed up with his back and we're just hoping for the best and we're we're just going to rest and hope that it heals up a little bit. I don't know. That that was a little concerning. But, I mean, here come, here come the Eagles. They're a team that you don't want them to kind of sneak into the playoffs. They don't have any semblance of a running game. The receivers, it's Zach Ertz and, like, Alshon Jeffrey, and that's been pretty much it all year. The Golden Patriot was a disaster. 
But they're here. They're seven and seven. They're a game back of the division, half a game back of that six seed. I don't know. They can make things very interesting. Yeah, I mean that's the NFC East for you right there. Um, Classic. But yeah, it's it's they're a weird team, but they're it, it's kind of similar to the Seahawks. You know, the Seahawks are, are here's definitely in, uh, especially if they're able to knock off the Chiefs. But yeah, it's 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 a team that has a makeup where. You know, they lose a lot of games they probably shouldn't in the regular season, but you don't want to play them in single elimination because they just have Nick Foles and, you know, a defense that can come to play that can bring a lot of heat. Um, and you get the opportunity to come up with a one-time, one-shot game plan to beat you, uh, and they're definitely capable of doing it. All right, so let's get into some of the games for next week. Um, to be honest, not thrilled with just the full slate, especially that one o'clock time window. There's a lot of sort of black games, but the one game that does stand out at that point is the Texans at the Eagles, and we've gone into both teams a little bit. But again, it's a must-win game for the for the Eagles. I don't necessarily believe in in the Texans. I mean, I'd love for them to win to keep New England at that third spot. Are the Texans really the team to kind of stop the Nick Foles magic and this? tough Eagles team with its back against the, the wall. I don't know. I'm going to roll with the Eagles is what I would say, just because I think the mixture of home field and that added sort of desperation, I think, puts them over the top. I Yeah, I'm, I'd am i like to disagree with you there, um, but it's hard. I mean, Houston, Houston has a very dynamic aspect to it, uh, but this is going to be a playoff environment, and this sort of young core for the Texans, uh, namely kind of like Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins has been in the playoffs before, but this is like th- this group's first go around. Like, all right, we have the two seed now. Better not blow it. And here's uh, uh, a chance to go on the road at this defending Super Bowl champs who are on the outside looking in for the playoffs and absolutely need to win out. I- I'd have to bet against them. Uh, it's kind of a, you know, a, guilty until proven innocent situation here. I, I just, you've seen the Texans have these kind of quote unquote biggest games in franchise history before. And when was the last time they won one of them? So um, yeah, I, I'd have to go with the Eagles. This is the real proof of game for me. Like you were saying, if they win this game, if they go on the road and they beat the Eagles in that kind of an environment, then we can kind of say, okay, for real, this is an actually dangerous team heading into mm-hmm. the heading into the playoffs, but the way things stand, I'm just holding out right now. Again, that game against the Jets, it seemed like the same old Texans where they beat up on the worst teams in the league and they just don't have what it takes. But again, yeah, this is a chance to prove themselves. It's a huge game for them. Um, So now when we get into this next game, it's the 425 game, Steelers at the Saints. I got to say first, and I was talking again with you about this earlier, I just... I'm not thrilled with what I've seen from the Saints in two of the past three weeks. I think they got lucky in the Monday night game because Cam Newton might not have an arm anymore. But I, is it time to be a little bit concerned that they only have one wide receiver? And again, Michael Thomas is unreal. He has 109 receptions and 127 targets. That's absurd with that connection between him and Brees. But I don't know. It's pretty much him, Kamara, and no one else. So... I don't know. I'm a little bit concerned. It looks like teams maybe have kind of figured them out a little bit. They've had a bunch of 
are a couple of these grueling defensive games now. And again, like both of those games were tough games. You're on the road against the Carolina team that's clean for its playoff life. That yes is six and eight now, but has been in the playoffs for a while. And they lose to the Cowboys, who are just on like a magical tear midseason. But to score thirteen and twelve points in two of these three weeks when you know this offensive uh, juggernaut is their hallmark, that's not very encouraging for me headed down the stretch. Mm. Yeah, not to mention their kind of gutter fight with uh, with the Bucks. Uh, the week before, uh, sandwiched between those two low-scoring performances. But I think the most important thing is they won, other than that Cowboys game, which was like an all-time abysmal, abysmal performance by a really good team, uh, and that's kind of the only way to beat a team like the Saints. Um, they won, and yes, their offensive juggernaut was slowed down, but the defense, the much maligned defense, came to play in those games. Uh, so I think a W is the most important thing uh, in in those kinds of games, and they have it, and they have the inside track for a uh, for a playoff spot. I mean, not not a playoff spot; they have a playoff spot for the number one seed. Uh, and going to New Orleans throughout the playoffs for a team like the Rams, uh, who's already lost there, is going to be very tough. Um, and just kind of quickly going back to the Rams, we kind of talked in the offseason. Obviously, the Rams' offense, everyone knew, is going to be up and coming. Uh, challenging for the greatest show on turf part two, uh, but they got a ton of guys on defense off the top of my head. Donovan Sue, uh, Marcus Peters, Akeem Tlaib, uh, and obviously Aaron Donald there. And Aaron Donald's the only guy who's done anything notable this year, other than I think I saw Marcus Peters get an interception one time uh, against the Chiefs. Yeah. But uh, I, I've heard a lot of criticism of Donovan Sue, and it is all um, warranted. I, I mean, the guy has been a total zero for the for the Rams all year, I would be irate if I was in that locker room and you, you have a big money guy like that comes in in a trade into a perfect situation and can't contribute. Uh, but back to the Saints, um, they they just get it done. And here is a Pittsburgh team that I, I even after they beat the Patriots at home, finally isn't good like at all. I mean, all respect to Ben Roethlisberger for what he's done in his career. The guy has nothing left in the tank. Absolutely nothing. Uh, the defense is, is just shoddy at best. I mean, um, we talked about what they did against the Patriots, and a lot of that was attributable uh, to penalties and, and just guys being dinged up and stuff like that. Whatever. I, I expect the Saints to absolutely pummel, pummel the uh, Steelers. Yep, I agree. Uh, maybe not completely obliterate them, but I think that they should win by, let's say, two two touchdowns for me. I just think the Steelers haven't been that impressive by any margin looking over the course of the year. And even, you know, their their huge win against New England last week, I think it was more of New England losing that game. I mean, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. You want to just talk about game management in the last yeah. three, four minutes of the game, like Mike Tomlin on full display. So I don't think they'll necessarily have a chance to blow it down the stretch because they will be, Playing from behind for this game. <laughs> All right, we've got one more game, Sunday night game. We've got the Chiefs at the Seahawks, and Seattle's in a funny position because everyone was fully celebrating them last week. Them and the Cowboys really were. Everyone was gassing them up, uh, talking about them as real playoff threats, saying no one wants to play Seattle, no one wants to play the Cowboys, and Seattle just comes out, throws up a dud, 
and now they have the Chiefs. And all of a sudden, you know, you're a lot less comfortable about where you are sort of in your, I don't know, just in your playoff uh, positioning. You can't come out and lose to the 49ers, a team that's actively trying to lose in a lot of ways. Um, and now you've got the Chiefs. I mean, it'll be a fun matchup to watch just because strength on strength. You've got the offense of the Chiefs against the defense of, of the Seahawks. But I, I fully expect the Chiefs to, to come in there and get the job done. I feel like they'll they'll be angry after what happened to them on Thursday. Felt like they should have had that game wrapped up. Seattle, I don't know. I mean, they've been up and down again. They've done a lot more than anyone expected coming into the year, but they're just not in the same tier as as the Chiefs and the Chiefs are a team that can actually contend for, you know, a Super Bowl appearance, I feel like. So yeah, I just expect the Chiefs to come in there, win by maybe ten to fourteen. I think you make some good points, but I'm actually gonna disagree with you here. I think Seattle um kind of has more to prove than the Chiefs do and, and you mentioned how if they lose they're kind of sitting at eight and seven. Um still kind of one foot in, one foot out of the playoff picture. I think they need this. I think this is kind of a big, big twelfth man situation against a young quarterback with this whole post Richard Sherman era, post Legion of Boom era defense looking to make its mark. This is it. Big uh Sunday night game uh with you know their their season sort of on the line. And it's a real ball control team, a team that doesn't ask Russell Wilson to do much of anything other than just don't turn the ball over. You know, feed Chris Carson, feed Rashad Penny, let Russell Wilson do a little bit of scrambling and try to find Tyler Lockett or Doug Baldwin and just dump it off and keep the ball out of Pat Mahomes' hands. I, I'm not sure if they can do it, but I think if any team is going to be able to just win the T.O.P. battle like 38 minutes, 22 minutes, I think the Seattle team can do it. Uh, and if you only give Pat Mahomes, I don't know, 8 to 10 possessions in a game, I think you can hold them under 20 points, and, and that's what you need to do if you're going to beat the Chiefs. Okay, should be really interesting to watch. So that will do it for us. Once again, really fun week in the NFL. Should be lots of wackiness in those last two weeks. There always is. Uh, Arthur, thank you for uh, coming up. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It was fun. So we'll be back next week. And thanks for listening. Bye.